welcome our live streamers, and we welcome everyone in the house. And it's supposed to be a nice spring-like day today, so I Ooh. thought I'd wear something a little more appropriate for the occasion. And uh, my, what do you what do you call this this morning? My, Your clerical garb. My clerical garb <laughs> for the occasion of the spring-like day. And then we'll probably have snow next week, so don't get used to it. Went to Ohio. Been there, done that. So let's sing a, a selection of songs. Sing unto the Lord. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, beginning with page 78 in the hymn book. Day is dying in the West. What a gathering. It's a Fanny Crosby song that a lot of churches ignore. But pay attention to those words. I think you're going to love it. Mr. 
157. I'm not going to remember the song, honey. We can always do the intro. Yeah, do the... We have this... Uh, we just learned... I just learned this. So It's an easy song, but... We have these uh, wonderful inventions that come in handy once in a while. I, I use it as a phone once in a while. Okay. <laughs> So we'll give it a whirl. Give it a whirl.
We'll add that to the repertoire. All right, let's sing one more. You might know this one a little better. I must tell Jesus, page 344.
invite you to raise your hand if you would like to fill out a prayer card after we go off live stream. We lift up prayer requests at the very end of the service. Onliners can send yours in to bbfohio at protonmail.com. We'll see those there. There's your reminder to silence your cell phone ringers. Morning, everybody. I'm Elaine Bethany Pedro. Dale. Dale. <laughs> Hartman. John Hartman. Everybody. sake of our radio program, we record these. I appreciate the help. Get that open so I'll see those prayer requests when the time comes. We're going to be a book of Acts. If you want to open your Bibles, Acts chapter 14, we're going to pick up verse 19 where we left off. And before that, I want to remind you, first of all, uh, just we, anytime we have a visitor, I like to say this, uh, but we don't always know when we have visitors online, but I don't want to repeat it every time we get up here. But uh, these current events are to view events taking place that have a significance for Christians and for Bible prophecy and such, and we are an equal opportunity offender. If, you're a, if you are a Republican... If you are a Democrat, or if you put anything above Jesus Christ, you're going to hate this. Because we're going to test everybody from any political party, any religion, or lack thereof, and we're going to put it to the Bible test. If you don't like it, come to me afterwards and explain why I was biblically wrong and I'll rescind it. I've had people tell me they didn't like what I said, but it never had anything to do with the Bible. It doesn't always have to do with their pet politicians and political parties. Well, get ready. But we also want to ask you not to talk over things. People trying to hear uh, have let me know that they've missed out on some of the uh, current event discussion from here because of discussion going on back there. So please keep it down until the comment uh, question time. And with that, we do ask you to hold those question and comments to the end of the current events update. Number one, Israel at War, 3-3-24. This is day 149 since that October 7th attack. We believe there is prophetic significance to this with Israel, the Gog-Magog War, and the prophecies that are going to come true with the Jews back in their land, despite what anybody tells you. And Revelation 12, especially, if if you've missed that, go back and listen to our study of Revelation, especially chapter 12, regarding Israel and the end times. But they still have 134 hostages and no hostage deal in sight. And that's why all the people complaining about the people dying in Gaza, I just say the same thing over and over. Release those hostages and until then, you can shut your damned mouth. I'm sick of all the crying and whining and they don't even mention those hostages and the women 
and men being raped in a lot of cases, tortured, stuck down in underground man-made caves, and they whine and cry about what's going on in Gaza, and you hardly ever hear them mention those 134 souls being abused right now. It's sickening. Israel is said to refuse further truce talks until it receives living hostages' names because of those 134. They're not sure. They think as many as 50 may have already been killed. And uh, last night I got this update. I'll zoom it in there a little bit. That uh, there are a lot of people who thought they were really going to break the backs of the uh, Hamas resistance. The IDF is currently occupying the Al Qarada and the city of Hamed pockets. Um, all the last pockets of Hamas in the Khan Yunus area are falling. It seems that Hamas was surprised by the IDF's move, and the IDF is advancing quickly. So that's what we would like to see. This We'd like to see this come to an end. But uh, we do not hold Israel to a standard they're not holding uh, anybody else to in human history. Whenever you're attacked, you have a right, according to God's word, Romans 13, 1-4, you have a duty to punish those who have attacked your people. That's God's word. On the map. And so that's why we stand with Israel. In the meantime, Israel continues to rid the world of Islamist terrorists. The IADF has targeted Hezbollah in Lebanon. Heavy airstrikes reported in central and south Gaza, so the battle just keeps raging. And the news behind the news is the Islamic fight against the Bible. A lot of people don't know that a lot of the Hamas attackers claim that they were, um, their excuse for raping and killing people was the fact of Bible prophecy being fulfilled. And I'll let, I don't normally play a CBS clip because I don't trust their news at all, but they got this one pretty close. I mean, he doesn't have real good biblical theology, but listen to what he has to say here. The infamous October 7 massacre that sparked a war, but one confounding yet eye-opening motive has escaped the headlines. In a recent speech, a Hamas spokesman blamed the Jews for bringing red cows to the Holy Land. The cows he's talking about at a secure, undisclosed location are these. Red heifers, to be precise. Some Jews and Christians believe they're the key to rebuilding the historic Jewish temple in Jerusalem and to beckoning the Messiah. To understand, you have to go back nearly 2,000 years when the ancient Romans destroyed the last temple in the city. To rebuild it, these believers point to the Bible's Book of Numbers. It commands the Israelites to sacrifice a red heifer without defect or blemish and that has never been under a yoke. Only then can the temple rise again. Caring for them on an Israeli settlement in the West Bank is Yitzhak Mamo. So we have here, uh, after a long research, we find in uh, Texas. In Texas? Uh, yeah, yeah, Texas, United States of America. Texas Red Angus, flying them 7,000 miles to Israel. This is not a publicity stunt. Well, what do you mean? Meaning... This is something you take very seriously. Harry Potter is a good story. The Bible is not story. The Bible is a way of God to lead us. Is that big, but A massive altar already awaits where the heifers are to be burned. According to some believers, the ceremony needs to be performed right here on the Mount of Olives, looking directly into where the temple once stood. 
but something else now stands in its place. The Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque, among the holiest sites in Islam. Today, only Muslims are allowed inside, but that's not stopping Jewish activists outside. Six days a week, Melissa Jane Kronfeld leads groups from around the world who defiantly pray, as close as armed guards permit. Talk about the destruction of Islamic holy sites. It's about preserving this place and being guardians over the house of God for all people. So you're happy with it where it is? No, it's going to go 100%. But I believe it's going to it, go. It's 100%. Yeah, the whole thing is going to go. We have to build a temple. When you say that Dome of the Rock has to go, MJ, it's hard for me to imagine something more incendiary. Let me ask you something. The Middle East seems pretty destabilized right now. And the war, if I'm not mistaken, is already here. To be clear, hers is a dream not shared by the Israeli government or by the vast majority of Israelis and Jews. But it's been enough to incite numerous Islamist groups. Hamas has dubbed its October 7 assault on Israel the Al-Aqsa wave and has the Dome of the Rock on its emblem. But this is sacred ground to billions of Muslims globally, not just Hamas terrorists, stresses Imam Mustafa Abu Sway of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Al-Aqsa Mosque belongs to all Muslims. So you'll find reaction from Indonesia to Toronto to New York. That's really given. Al-Aqsa Mosque belongs to all Muslims, and the Muslims today are two billion people. Two billion people. Simply by performing these acts, are are these Jewish activists kicking a hornet's nest? They are. They are. A hornet's nest. They're kicking all the way to Capitol Hill. So good to see you here in the nation's capital. Those sacred cows were showcased in Washington at a recent prayer gathering. Many evangelicals believe these red heifers will usher Christ's second coming. We need the Messiah to come, right? So for me, the red heifer is red for the blood of Jesus Christ. Back in the West Bank, Mamo says the ceremony could take place any day. But can you understand why Hamas could be outraged by something like this. I cannot understand that even if they are right, why they have to slot and rape people to win their war. Terrorists have been attacking us before we ever dreamed of these cows, he reflects. They don't need them as an excuse to kill. For CBS Saturday Morning, Chris Livesay, Jerusalem. <clears throat> That's the true story. You, you, I'm surprised to see it on CBS, but you won't see it on most news programs. They won't mention it. But, uh, you know, I know people who still will try to convince you, but you're interpreting the Bible wrong. I'm like, how does, how does it make you feel when you wake up in the morning, you see the literal interpretation of Bible prophecy actually taking place before your eyes, and you have to convince yourself, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's... <laughs> And we will continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I'm repetitively using that image just so you get the idea of how this is about to blow up. And um, if it's Gog, Magog, praise God. That's all I got to say. Number two, sodomites own the Biden administration. That's just a fact. This is your president representing Satan. You know, when families across the country face excruciating decisions to relocate to a different state to protect their child, 
from dangerous anti-LGBTQ laws, we have to act. We have to act as a nation. We need to push back against the hundreds of callous and cynical bills and laws introduced in states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors and nurses. These bills and laws attack the most basic values and freedoms we have as Americans. That's not hyperbole, it's a fact. The right to be yourself, the right to make your own health decisions, the right to raise your own children. You know what that lying, senile reprobate is actually saying? They're past, they want to stop laws so that they can mutilate children. And he says you can raise your child any way you want. He's wanting to take children from their parents. If that child wants to be mutilated and have their... They don't get to change sexes, folks. They get to have expensive surgeries that leave them with sores where a fake vagina is, and for the rest of their life they will suffer. The hormones that will totally attack their bodies, and they'll die young of anything from cancer to all kinds of other diseases. And that wicked man is saying that we are the problem because we want to protect children. And I, I was very nice in what I just said, what I really would like to say. Amen. Amen. There's the God-forsaken White House. May God put anybody in there that is not a sodomite, not a Marxist, not a baby killer. I don't care who it is. A simple comparison shows the detrimental consequences of electing a sodomite ally as president. Listen to this. This was on Capitol Hill. Prior to Joe Biden becoming president in the prior 18 months, how many Americans did we lose in Afghanistan? How many military service members? Uh, very few. I'd have to go back and check the record. I think it's exactly zero. In 2008, Vladimir Putin stole a province from Georgia, and it was under George W. Bush's watch. And then 2014, he stole all of Crimea under... Uh, Barack Obama's watch, and then a Russian-supported insurgency in eastern Ukraine kicked off as well. And then, uh, Mr. Secretary, President of the United States from 2017 to 2021 was? Do you are aware who that was? Uh, 2013? 17 to 21. Who was the President of the United States? <laughs> of course, it was, uh, it was uh, President Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. Did, were there any new, did Vladimir Putin embark on any new foreign adventures in those four years? Uh, he didn't. Uh, but, okay, thank uh, you. And then, uh, and then February 2022, what happened? You know, he certainly, I mean, that's when he attacked uh, Ukraine. and Full-scale invasion. Almost 200,000 regular Russian no. troops. So I think that if we were more concerned with our military uh, projecting power and not worried about personal pronouns, it would be better for the American people and, quite frankly, the free world. You had a globalist Republican named George W. Bush, and when we were attacked by people based in Afghanistan, what country did we attack? Has nothing to do with 9-11. So that they could set up their globalist Federal Reserve in Iraq. Then comes Barack Obama, another globalist. And what do you get? You get wars and rumors of wars. Then we get another globalist named Joe Biden. And what are you getting? 
hundred billion dollars of your money being sent over to fund the military industrial complex in another war. And if they have their way, it'll be endless. You had one man, Donald Trump, and I'm not afraid to say it, all these cowards in the pulpits who won't just speak the truth. I don't care if you like the man or not. He didn't put us in wars. And there's only one thing that marks him from any other of these loser presidents we've had from both political parties, and that is he's not a globalist. Amen. Globalists are full of the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. And both parties are given over to it. Yep. <laughs> but the fact is our government is a reflection of the wicked condition of our nation. Yep. This isn't just sneaking up on us. You are surrounded by reprobates. 20, 30 years ago, you used to be able to go door to door and talk to people who would say, yeah, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And then they'd be honest with you if they rejected the gospel, they'd, they'd tell you, I'm just having too much fun. I like my sin. It's changed. Yep. Now they boldly tell you they don't believe that book is from God. And they boldly tell you they embrace Sodom. Big difference. Americans are identifying as LGBTQ more than ever. Now, watch this. This is another uh, leftist, but I have a little hope for him because sometimes he talks and he, he doesn't sound like a, a total reprobate. A guy named Bill Maher. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. <laughs> what did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Lot. And what's his warning? Remember Lot's wife. Yeah. That's those who not necessarily gay, not necessarily LGBTQ plus or whatever, but allies. Lot's wife was a sodomite ally. Remember what happened to her. Romans one thirty two. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Be informed, pray accordingly. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. We have a, couple, a few minutes for uh, questions or comments. Johnny? What year was he projecting for 100%? I think it was 2050, didn't he say? Yeah. 2050. Am I actually like that long? Yeah. And I agree with what Mark said. I hope we're not here for that. John? Just as a reminder, a nephew of mine that was in the army, uh, he said, Uncle John, he said, I was told that the, the purpose of the U.S. Army in any country they go into is set up a Federal Reserve Board. Yeah, yeah. Set up a Federal Reserve Board. You know how we can confirm he's right? Can we, you know how we can confirm he's right? Yeah. Because everywhere they go, they do. Yes. The proof's in the pudding. There are only two countries in the world that didn't have one before, and those were Afghanistan and Iraq. Amen. Yeah, you're talking about all the investing uh, of all the money that they've uh, in the military industrial complex. Look at all the money we threw away when we left 
medication. That's just the tip of the it's iceberg. Disgusting. You know? No, I find it interesting is, you know, when Joe Biden was talking about kids and, you know, kids' rights and all of a sudden parents' rights, what about the homeschool kids that they pull from their families? Mm -hmm. Or when you choose not to vaccinate and then they take your kids away, that's, you know, that's so bad, but mutilating a child and they're going to have psychological issues the rest of their life, they're going to have all this trauma, like, that's good, but... You choose to homeschool your kid or you don't vaccinate or whatever, then that's bad. Well, Isaiah 520, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Amen. Yeah. Somebody else? Nancy, was that you? Uh, I thought times just interviewing a Panamanian guy, and he was saying that the UN was funding these migrants. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if you just look up Laura Logan, um, she's done all the news you need on it. You can, and uh, Laura Loomer is someone you have to watch her language and stuff, but she has documented that this is all by design. They have a trail. They tell you on TikTok and Instagram and elsewhere how to do it, how to get to Panama and how to get from there up to the border, and it's all funded. Then you get to, these people come to Panama and they find tent cities set up to take care of them until they took, go on their trek. Into, who's paying for that? Soros and Gates and, and the uh, United Nations, which is funded by the United States government. It's, it's because of globalism. That's all you have to remember is globalism is the key. There's nothing wrong with global trade, and people will try to gaslight you by acting like you're against global trade if you're against globalism. We're for global trade among nations. We are not for a global government, and we are not for globalism. And you have to listen to words and define your words carefully when dealing with these people because they're like Satan. They change language and abuse the language like Satan did in Genesis 3, Matthew 4, and Luke 4. So you've got to be very careful when you're talking to these people with the words they use and the way they try to twist your words. You'll be my last one, Brian. Absolutely. I used the word globalist at work one day and someone went to HR to tell me that I was anti-Semitic. Because they feel quite yeah. globalism with Jews. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, you know, it doesn't have any... And George Soros. You can just <laughs> say George Soros is a wicked man and they'll call you anti-Semitic. Right. And uh, I was just... I, don't try to don't try to, to sugarcoat it. I, I despise wicked Jews. But I love the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> and those bad Jews, those wicked Jews, we would love them enough to tell them the truth and they got saved. Amen. Open arms. Amen. George Soros tomorrow could profess Christ. And if he was serious and I saw fruits, you know, he bore fruit of repentance, open arms. Amen. Same Amen. thing to do with you white boys and you black boys and you yellow boys and you green boys. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't care. You know what? We stand with the people who stand with God and we resist the wicked. Amen. I don't care the... Always get this wrong. Is it melanin in our skin? Yeah. Yeah. I got it right that time. Globalism is antichrist. Globalism is antichrist. I don't, did I not say that? Because I try to say it every time. When you hear globalism, it's antichrist. Doesn't matter who, who it is you're talking about there. All right. So with that, let's open the prayer and get into our Bible study in Acts 14. And ask Brother Chuck, if you would, open the Bible study prayer. Heavenly Father, truly thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thankful for the fruit of the Spirit that is with us because the Comforter is in our hearts. Amen. Thankful for this day that you've given us to allow us to hear your word through the mouth of our illustrious pastor. 
14, beginning verse 19, we must through much tribulation enter is the title, but as you know, we will come to that. We just go verse by verse. We continue our study of Acts chapter 14, where in the very place they wanted to deify Paul, now they stone him. <laughs> now, I've never experienced that kind of extreme, but there have been places where I walked in, and everybody thought, oh, back, back in the 90s especially, this happened to me several times. Look at the bright young preacher. You know, he's in his 20s and serving the Lord. By the time I got done, they were running me out of the place. And I'm not making that up. I mean, they literally ran me out of a few places. And I didn't do it on purpose. I just preached the truth. I tell them before I get up there. Now, I assume that I'm here with a bunch of people who want to hear the truth. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> you haven't run me off yet? Acts 14, 19-23 is what we're going to cover. I'm going to ask you to read the odd verses. So start with me right there in verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... As I said, we pick up there where Paul is resisting the cult. This was one of many. There are thousands of cults uh, in our day. There were, I don't know how many in the days of the apostles. But the, uh, a cult, by definition, uh, is according to who's defining it. The fact is, there's people out there that say, you're, a, you're in a cult. Um, a, a lot of the mainstream media just pretty much declare anybody who's an evangelical like we're in a cult. Um, but by Christian definition, a cult is a sect, S-E-C-T, that is uh, separate from the true faith. And so we consider Mormons a cult, the Latter-day Saints. We consider the Jehovah's Witnesses to be a cult. That's the Watchtower Society. We consider uh, anyone who denies the biblical gospel and denies the biblical trinity, which includes the deity of Jesus Christ, the deity of the Holy Spirit. If you deny any of those doctrines, you are outside of historic Christianity and considered a cult. In this cult that we read about here, they actually believed that the gods would come down as men. And they had one uh, story from the... Uh, I think it was in, in the Greek days under Zeus, where Zeus uh, came down and he hung around with men and no one recognized him and they were rude to him, so then he killed a bunch of them. So that means every time they thought somebody showed traits of being a god, they didn't want to fail to recognize it. So that's why you might wonder why they were so jumpy about Paul and Barnabas, ready to deify them and offer sacrifices. But they went... 
from deifying him to trying to destroy him. So we'll see that Paul survives a stoning in verses 19 and 20, to Derby and back in verse 21, and then confirming souls in 22 and 23. So let's start there in verse 19 and 20. Paul survives a stoning. It says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people. And uh, so that might sound familiar. It's a bunch of people from out of town coming into a certain town in certain trouble. Remember uh, George Floyd? Yeah. Portland? Yeah. So this was Greek Lives Matter. It wasn't, it was a different organization, but it was Greek Lives Matter who showed up <laughs> uh, to riot because they had heard that these Christians who they said were in a cult preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they had to shut it down. So as we look on the map, I mean, they came a pretty good way it was an anti-Christian mob from the north coming down to Lystra and uh, having stoned Paul. It's kind of interesting how they, the, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and as he's writing this, he kind of just matter-of-factly says it doesn't put much description into what happened. And having stoned Paul drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Um, I've been attacked while doing ministries out on the street, but I've never actually been physically uh, beaten or nearly killed. But some of you have seen in the news, there's a fella, I believe it was in Illinois, who was shot in the head. Was that in Illinois? Las Vegas. Oh, it's Las Vegas. You're, a that's right. 27-year-old And he survived. Yeah. But he was shot in the head for just standing on the pre uh, street preaching in Las Vegas. Yeah. And there's others... Uh, they're doing the same sort of ministry and being attacked and knifed and everything. Um, well, that's been going on for 2,000 years. You know, stoning is basically like being shot, only the bullet is a lot bigger and goes slower so it doesn't penetrate. But what it usually does is leaves, leaves a contusion, causes concussion, causes internal and external bleeding, and it's a very slow death, usually. That's why what they do a lot of times is they make sure there were a lot of people and they stoned them, just really poured it on and tried to kill them real quick instead of making them linger. But in some cases they didn't do that and they wanted them to linger. It's according to the people doing the executing. But in Paul's case, they left him for dead. Supposing he'd been dead, they just left him lay there. It says, how be it, as the disciples, this verse 20, stood round about him. And you've always pictured this, because it's, it's, you know, I'm not a, a doctor, and I've never even played one on TV. So somebody's laying there, and you're like, you see them, and you're like, are they, they pass out? What's wrong with them? I don't know. Take his pulse. You know, something like that. And they're standing around Paul, and then he just starts getting up. He just, he just got, up. got up. And says he rose up and came into the city. Now, Paul faced death multiple times, and some of you may not be familiar with this. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul himself describes, gives you kind of a summary of the kind of attacks that he has survived. As you're turning there, I'll read verse 21. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit whensoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are the Hebrews... So am I. Are the Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. 
Look what he says beginning verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. We've talked about this. They would whip people. And under the law, they weren't allowed to whip them uh, more than 39 times. 40 save 1, as that's put. I can't imagine. One lash. One lash. In stripes above measure because it happened numerous times to Paul. And he wasn't even in places where they were under the restrictions of the law. So we don't even know how many times sometimes he got whipped. Yeah. In prisons more frequent. In deaths. In deaths. Oh. Now he may be saying left for dead like we're reading here. But we remember he tells the story of one using an ancient technique, as we might call it, of writing. He knew a man, you remember, who was carried up to the third heaven. First heaven is our atmosphere, second heaven's outer space, third heaven is where God and the angels and the saints are. He was carried up to the third heaven. Might it have been a near-death experience that took Paul up there? Look at verse 24, read that. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. That's said of the Jews, forty save one, because of the law. Verse 25, thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. When did that happen? Acts 14 in Lystra. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. Verse 26, read that. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. I think Paul puts everybody in this room combined to shame when it comes to suffering for Jesus. In verse 27, in weariness and painful painfulness. How many of you live with pain? I mean, I had a wreck and busted my knee. I had a football injury and busted my hand, and they hurt to this day. Can you imagine the arthritic pain and suffering that Paul might have endured? <laughs> in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Read those next three verses with me. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Eretas the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hand. And I don't think that's a full list. <laughs> 
I mean, he generalized a lot of the things he said there. He could have gone into specifics. And yet, suffering more than everybody in this room combined times a hundred, Paul still never tried to elevate himself and would not allow these people to deify him in Acts 14 and Lystra. After all that, he still wanted to say, I preach Christ crucified. I preach the cross. That's something we should take note of. Some of us in this room have suffered. I'm not saying we haven't. A lot of times it's been of our own doing. <laughs> and a lot of it's just natural stuff, you know, that happens because we're under the curse and our bodies are still fallen and subject to illness and death. We should never allow our sufferings to cause us to diminish Christ. We should always see that in our sufferings, if nothing else, we're reminded this is temporary. Why? Because Jesus is one eternal life for me. Because of Jesus, whatever I'm suffering, it is temporary. And I one day will be in a glorified state. I will be as he is. If you look at life's trials, and I'm just preaching to myself. I can put a mirror here. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody in this room. We must view our trials in the way Paul viewed them. Nothing compared to the glory that awaits. Amen? Amen. Amen. So back to our text in verse 20. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So Paul leaves town, but not for long. I don't know about you, I probably would have never gone back. I've been to a few towns where I wasn't even treated that badly and I don't want to go back. <laughs> but look at verse 21. Paul doesn't pray here, why Lord? Why am I here? <laughs> Paul knows that no matter where life takes him, he has one main priority. That's to lift up Christ. Look at that. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. How, how many of you would, would be honest enough to admit with me that you might have gone off to a hotel room and taken some time to heal? Amen. You might, he probably walked in there looking like the hunchback and other <laughs> Repent! God has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> That's how the gospel's preached. You have these guys all looking, you know, in their slick suits and massive crowds and adulation, and they say, if you will get saved, God is just going to bless your socks off. If you'll get saved, you all your problems are going to go away. You're just going to you have prosperity. That wasn't how it's portrayed in the Bible. I mean, those people cannot be reading the same Bible I'm reading. The followers of Christ, well, if you're going to be honest, you preach and say, "Repent and be saved. This life will be as much hell as you'll ever suffer." If you get saved, you'll suffer 
And it'll be a lot of times where you think you're going, you're in hell on earth without the flames. Amen. But one day you'll have glory. Amen. You don't hear that preached very often. No. <laughs> but that's Paul went in there. He had to look beat. He had to be bruised and bloodied. Didn't even go home and put on his new suit. <laughs> you make your choices in life. But no matter where those choices land you, this is what God's plan is for your life. You understand that? I'm not saying God doesn't lead you in marriage choices. I'm not saying God doesn't lead you in the choice of occupation. I'm not saying that God doesn't lead you about what house, what neighborhood to live in, whatever. But what I am saying is this. We talked about this a little bit in our Sunday school. Is that you're going by that still, small voice. You go by that drawing and that leading. But there's no guarantee that what that's leading you to is happy, happy, happy all the time. Amen. Amen. And there's times where you may get it wrong. You may, you may have misread the leading of the Lord. Don't blame God for it. And there's other times where he led you right where he wants you and it does involve suffering. Amen. But no matter what, no matter, even if you make a choice without consulting God and do the wrong thing and, go, and cause yourself problems, it still doesn't matter. Nothing changes God's ultimate purpose for your life and that is you are here to enjoy him and have a close relationship with him through thick and thin and to glorify Him. Amen. And you do not glorify Him any better way than to preach Christ crucified, Amen. buried and risen again. That's how you glorify Christ. That would you Sometimes you, you go through suffering like I do in my 40s, and it's an it's, uh, opportunity to help somebody else. Absolutely. Going through some problems. And a lot of people have been divorced and whatnot. Well, yeah. I, I can't wait talk about divorce or something like that, but I got friends that can. Yeah. Because they feel it. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact, whatever you go through, exactly. there will be opportunities for God to use that. That's right. Doesn't say God causes everything. Exactly. Doesn't say God causes everything. It says God works everything together for good. Amen. To them that are the called. Amen. And to love him. Yes. You flip back a few pages to Acts chapter 9 where Jesus tells his plan for Paul, which is, well, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name. Suffer, yeah. Where do you hear that preach today? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and without batting an eye, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Always serving, always trusting. Always faithful. I will not stand up here and try to glorify Greg. I will not lie to you and tell you that I've always, always done those things. I just have to be honest. I've been saved for going on 35 years. I have not always served the Lord the way I ought to. I have not always trusted the Lord the way I ought to. I haven't always been as faithful as I ought to be. But Paul sure gave us a good example to follow. 
Which is why he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Why did Paul do that? Why did Paul live like that? Because Paul was following Christ. And Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. If you're looking at someone who's a good Christian example, there's nothing wrong with following their example as long as they continue following Christ. The moment they waver off this or that way, that way don't follow them anymore. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So what's he, the result of his ministry then at this point is he goes back to where they stoned him and he's confirming the souls of the disciples. Verse 22 confirming the souls of the disciples. Now, the uh, synonyms for confirming, the word confirming, is establishing and strengthening. Now, to the outside world, we want to preach the gospel that lost souls might be saved. When we come in this building, this is the church. You are supposed to be saved, which is why you come to church. We don't block the door if an unbeliever comes in. But the purpose of the church isn't to preach the gospel to the lost when it's gathering as the church. Think of the contradiction that is, and you hear people say that. We are the church. The church can't include unsaved people. So only saved people are to be considered members of a local church. And when we come together in a meeting, whether it's here or it's in a cave or it's outdoors, it doesn't matter. When we gather together, the purpose is right there. <coughs> confirming one another. Establishing one another. Strengthening one another. If you come in here and you are only thinking about you, and you're not thinking about how you can confirm others, how you can be used of God to establish others with a word of truth, a, a prayer, a, whatever the case may be. If you didn't come in here to help strengthen the body, you're, you're here for the wrong reason. You shouldn't be here. You should only come to church when you're coming for the right reason. You say, well, I'll just stay home. That's not the point. The point is repent. And come here for the right reason. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, well, I just want to say, as I was thinking about this, it reminds me of the words of Jesus to Peter after his post-resurrection restoration. Look over there in Luke 22. We are not perfect. We are not sinless. We fail. We make bad choices. We may say things the wrong way. We may even offend people with our words from time to time. We'd better be very forgiving one to another about that. But our intention is to build. And here's Jesus setting the example the way he treats Peter here after Peter had totally denied him three times before he was crucified. Now Jesus is risen again. And look in Luke twenty two thirty one, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Read 32 and 33 with me. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I want to add to that 
last verse because that's the right attitude. That's the right response. We don't always fulfill it the way we ought to, but we want to. We should want to. And what's he say again? Strengthen thy brethren. Strengthen. What's that mean? That means Peter has to be about other people. Peter has to be selfless and centered on serving the Lord by serving others. And of course, that doesn't just happen when you come to church. It's supposed to happen all the other days. You're outside these four walls. You're living your life. Starts in the home. Starts with a spouse, with children. If you're a child living in your home, it starts with your parents and your siblings. Whatever the case may be. When you go to work, if you only go to work to do your time and go home, then you'll probably be miserable. But if you see your job as an opportunity to serve the Lord and watch for opportunities, even when you got to be careful not to do things while you're on the clock and that sort of thing to get in trouble, make sure it's during break or before or after the shift and you talk to people, but... After, during those times, you have a right to be a human being. Amen. And you can talk to people and you can pray for people. You can go sit in the car if you don't want to cause trouble. You just want to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Go sit in the car or say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee down the road. Whatever the case may be, you can be used of God. The problem is that most people just don't have their eyes open. They don't have their eyes open looking to be used of God. Looking for those opportunities. Gospel tracks. I mean, we've talked about it over and over, but every time you go through a drive-thru, every time you go out to eat and you leave a tip, don't leave it without a tip. <laughs> and tip well. Amen. You can go in stores and leave things around and you can find places where they allow literature on the table. Put your literature there. You can, we have somebody who's mailing tracks all over the country. It's because some of them get sent back to us because they put our P.O. boxes of return. Yeah. You know, whatever the case may be, go through your mailing list and mail tracks to those people. Yeah. I mean, I'm just giving you a few ideas. If you will look, open your eyes and start looking for opportunities, then maybe I'll get a phone call about <laughs> you leaving tracks somewhere. You, they, they say they don't want them. Amen. And I say, Thanks, thanks for the confirmation. I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell people not to give out tracks. Keep doing it. Amen. Thank you. Just don't put them in mailboxes. It's a federal crime. <laughs> don't you like that? So it says exhorting them to continue in the faith. It's describing the confirming that was going on there. And look, it's not nagging. You know, when someone misses a church service and they come back, don't go up there and say, where have you been? And, you know, don't be nosing into whether what people are doing and trying to be the Holy Spirit for them. That's not what this is about. <laughs> but you should exhort them to continue in the faith. I mean, I've been exhorted. I've been encouraged when I'm going through something and some brother in Christ would come up behind me and slap me on the back and say, you know what? You know, you're, you, we know you're going through some things. We don't want you to think you're suffering without any support. We're praying for you. Just hang in there. Continue in the faith. That was enough. I just needed to hear that. Sometimes that's all it takes. 
some people will send out cards in the mail. I've heard the encouragement those things can be. And some people will do that and need to do it at Christmas time too, but we'll get back to it. <laughs> Hebrews 10.25, this is a famous verse, but people miss part of the message here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. We know a lot of people who claim to be Christians. I read my Bible, I pray, but they don't go to church. They don't identify with the local church. You're violating scripture. I mean, it's just that simple. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. But what does it say? But exhorting one another. But exhorting one. I've heard that verse quoted hundreds of times in my lifetime. And very seldom did they point out the exhorting one another. Exhorting. But that, that just means encouraging, lifting each other up. And credit, I'm preaching to the choir. There are a lot of you here that do that. I appreciate it. But maybe you've thought about just giving up and hanging it up and coasting your way to the rapture or whatever. Well, there's a lot of people doing that and they're going to be sorry they did it. They'll be ashamed that they did it. And those who are doing that, they are in violation of God's word. It's not multiple choice, folks. Amen? Amen. You can't obey that admonition if you're not gathering with believers in the local church. Now we do know, I always have to say this, there are some who live in an area where there is not a Bible-believing church in the area and they join us online. And they contact us, we're in contact with one another, and until there's a local church within your area, I believe that's a legitimate thing. And you can still get involved on the MeWe group or through email or whatever and still take part in encouraging one another. Amen. You just do what your situation calls for to the glory of God. So then verse 22 says, And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. That is not, it doesn't say you might. <laughs> through much, it says you must must through much tribulation. So just don't get all bent out of shape when trouble comes in your life and say, why God, why? <laughs> if God were to speak audibly, he would just say, read the book. Because it's all in there. You're going to suffer tribulation in this life. But listen folks, what a trade-off. This is the only life we're going to do it. <laughs> and then forever and ever and ever no more tribulation Amen. I think we get a pretty good deal since we didn't do anything to deserve it Amen. not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us I quote, I've quoted uh, the theologian um, some of you know Doug Colgan and he pointed this out to me one time he said we are saved by works but not our works Saved by His works. Amen. Amen. So we will go through much tribulation as we enter into the kingdom, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. For the eternal blessings that lie ahead, this is a small price to pay. I already said that. But verse 23, we close. It says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, 
They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. This is what we call church planting. And that was a major part of the apostolic ministry. It's still going on to this day. Um, good missionary work is church planting. But it's the sad thing is, is what you're experiencing here locally, the missionaries are experiencing on the field, especially in certain places. Like if you go to places mostly in Europe, there are missionaries who go years without converts. Then you go to places like certain places in South America, certain places in Africa, certain places in Asia, great harvest of souls taking place. And so it's very apostolic. They're planting churches all over the place in those areas, and they're following this model. But um, we kind of are here for that same reason. You know, uh, when I was sitting under a pastor who began denying the infallibility of Scripture, and um, later found out there might have been a health reason for that. I don't want to go into more detail about it. Uh, but uh, I left and we started visiting churches. And we found very few that weren't using corrupt Bibles. Among those using the right Bible, they were uh, mostly clown shows. And they weren't teaching the Bible. There was a lot of emotional stuff and music and song fest and this and that, but they weren't teaching the Bible. And one thing led to another, and we just prayed about it. And when I knew my wife was getting the same leading I was getting, that confirmed that this was the thing to do. And so that's when Bible Believers Fellowship began in uh, June of 2006, wasn't it? So it's been what, 18, going on 18 years? Be 18 years in June. And God has used this little church. We used to meet in a family room, and we started meeting in a uh, movie theater, and then we moved to the fellowship, or the township hall, had to set up chairs and tables every week and tear them down. And uh, this building became available, and the Lord helped us get moved in here. And now the Radio ministry is reaching 80 of 88 counties in Ohio. The internet ministry is meeting anywhere from 50 to 70 countries in a month. All 50 states. The U.S. territories. We have the 24-7 online radio program, bbfohioradio.com. More than 4,000 free studies available online. We never dreamed it would get to that point back in 2006. We just thought we were going to be sitting around eating snacks, drinking coffee, and talking about the Bible. <laughs> but when you do things God's way, God blesses it. And uh, Paul is our example. Great will be his reward. And uh, I know my reward will not stack up next to his, but I'm going to follow his example. We should follow his example the rest of our days and just see what kind of reward is awaiting us when we go home. Amen? Amen. And we will do it all for the praise and glory of the wonderful Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time and your word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit guiding and teaching us. And we just thank you so much for the eternal salvation we do not deserve, unmerited, 
completely of your grace by grace through faith, not of ourselves. We sing about you down here as often as we have the opportunity. We just cannot wait to be standing there with Paul and the other apostles, all the other saints that we've read about in the Bible. And then I'll get to see my dad, my grandma, and grandpa, and so many others that are up there. And we're all going to be praising one person. It'll be all about Jesus. Help us to make our lives all about Jesus. In his precious name we pray, amen. 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 Let's sing about the love that lifted us. 444 in the hymn book. 441, I'm sorry. Stand if you can. Give me a long end.
Now you may be seated and we'll collect those prayer cards. And onliners, we'll look for yours at ebfohio at protonmail.com. As we say goodbye to the onliners on three. One, two, three. See you here, there, or in the air.